All right. Well, I brought my Bible, not that I'm going to use it, but I look spiritual walking up with it. But on a serious note, I do have plenty of scripture in there. So um, it is on my heart to preach the gospel and to steal Billy Graham's quote. You know, it just burns in me and I've got to do it. I just don't have much opportunity to do it to a crowd. And, uh, yeah, I've been wanting to preach for a long time. I'm completely inadequate in myself. All I am is a lump of dirt that God has decided to see if he could shape it into something to use. So, um, yeah. While I was in Mexico, oh, one more thing. I've got a history of giving people a hard time and thinking less of a minister because he uses notes. And while also I'm so inadequate of myself, I'm using notes. So I'm needing my own criticism. Oftentimes I fall into the same judgment we judge others on. And so God used Jonathan first, and he used notes, and God wasn't going to use me today. While I was in Mexico, well, one more thing. I'm going to pray. Father God, I come to you in, in my inadequacy, and I ask that uh, your word be preached through me and not my own word, not my own personal opinions, but what your word of grace teaches. I pray that you speak to our hearts and that you change our lives. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. While I was in Mexico, one of the greatest lessons I learned was to minister out of our abundance. They said that when they first got to Mexico, that they would spend hours and hours trying to prepare a message. Sometimes even days and weeks. But uh, now they preach out of their abundance. And their abundance is the word of God that they got that morning. Well, this morning I finished the book of Acts and about Paul being persecuted and not complaining the whole time and being in jail and just having a good attitude about it all, making the best out of it. Well, I'm not preaching on that today. I am preaching on hunger in the word. And in a very real way, all since the beginning of service, God's been speaking it. And, you know, it, this is God moving. Pastor Bob has no clue what I'm talking about. <coughs> Alright. You know, about a week ago or so, I was praying and asking God, what should I preach on? And he said, hunger. And I said, really? And God kind of left it at that. I just want God to speak his words through me. And that has continually been my prayer. Almost every time I eat, I've been praying, Lord, just use me. I don't want my words to be spoken. I want your word to these people. Matthew 5, says, five, five and 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what is right. They will be filled. Luke chapter 6 is the same, basically the same thing. Blessed are you who hunger now. You will be satisfied. Well, in the Bible, in uh, Luke, this one talks about the prodigal son. And he was one of two brothers. He talked to his dad. He said, Dad, give me everything that I have coming to me. I want my inheritance now. This is very offensive to the father, asking for what he denied, for what was out of his timing to receive. But his father loved him, and his father gave it to him. He took that money and went to a far off land. He squandered it. He spent it, spent it on everything, to the point where he ran out of money. A family came, and the only job the son could get was a job feeding the pigs. His hunger came to the point where he longed just to taste what was he was given to those pigs, those nasty, unclean animals. And he thought to himself, my father has to spare at his table. I'm going to go home 
And I went back to beg just to be a servant of my father. Notice it wasn't a blessing that he was to his father, but it was the hunger. It wasn't that gift that his father gave him when he asked, but it was that hunger that was produced at the end when he lost everything. Have you noticed that when we come to Jesus, and when we get there, he satisfies? If there's a question, here's a couple evidences. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever go hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty. Again, in Revelation chapter 7, around the throne, the angel asked uh, John, who are these people? John answers, sir, you know. The angel then responds, they are the ones who have come out of the time of terrible suffering. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So they are in front of the throne of God. They serve Him day and night in the temple. The one who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they be hungry. Never again will they be thirsty. The sun will beat down, or the sun will not beat down on them. The heat of the desert will not harm them. The Lamb who is at the center of the area around the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away tears from their eyes. My question is, do you hunger even just a little bit? Good. Assuming you said yes. That means that you're alive. If you do not hunger, it either means that you have just been filled and are satisfied, or that, that you are dead, or soon will be. I have never heard of a corpse being hungry, but the first response of a new birth, after the sudden climate change, is hunger. Any mother well, any mother well knows, as any mother well knows, the baby is calmed, comforted, and warmed by the milk, as well as soothed by the closeness of the heartbeat of mama. As he is filled, the baby almost instinctively longs and desires to be at the breast of and to receive the life-giving milk of mama. First Peter 2.2 says, Like babies that were just born, you should long for pure spiritual milk of God's word. It will help you grow as believers. You can do it now that you have tasted how good that the Lord is. That last part of the verse implies that since you have and since you have had an encounter with Jesus, that you can now hunger for, read and digest the Word of God. In doing so, grow and mature as a follower of Jesus Christ. The word in this verse for long for is epipatheo. It's a Strong's number 1971 for anybody who wants to look it up. It means to pursue with love, to strongly desire, to lust, to long for, or to long after. In 1 Corinthians 3, 2, the word, uh, Paul writes that the word I speak to you were like milk, not like solid food. You weren't ready for solid food yet, and you still aren't ready for it. You are still following the ways of the world. Some of you are jealous. Some of you argue. So aren't you following the ways of the world? 
Aren't you acting like ordinary human beings? This is Paul writing this to the church. There should be something different about us, especially us as believers who are hungry for the word. By this time, you should be, again in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews writes in chapter 5, by this time, you should be teachers, but in fact, you need someone to teach you all over again. You need the simple truth of God's word. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk is still a baby. That person does not want to learn about living a godly life. Solid food is for those who are grown up. They have trained themselves with a lot of patience. They can tell the difference between good and evil. From this verse, you can deduct that they trained themselves with, through the Word of God. They read the Bible. They knew what it said. They learned how to use it through reading it. That's how they were able to tell the difference between good and evil, to become mature. But they, it, as, as it says here in the verse, they have trained themselves with a lot of practice. 1 John 2, 12-14 says, Dear children, I am writing to you because your sins have been forgiven. They have been forgiven because of what Jesus has done. Fathers, I am writing to you because you have known the one who is from the beginning. Young people, I am writing to you because you have won the battle over the evil one. Dear children, I am writing to you because you have known the Father. Fathers, I am writing to you because you have known the one who is from the beginning. Young people, I am writing to you because you are strong. God's word lives in you. You have won the battle over the evil one. What was a key factor of winning the battle over the evil one? It's not the only factor. The Bible says they overcome the devil because they love not their life on, because by the word of their testimony, the blood of the Lamb, and they love not their life unto themselves. But you have to take the whole counsel of Scripture into it. This is just part of the counsel of Scripture. The Word lives in them, and they have overcome the evil one. The fruit of them, of the Word living in them, is to know how to overcome the evil one, and they were successful. But you can't do it unless that Word is in them. John 17, 17 says, They do not belong to the world. This is Jesus speaking to the Father. Jesus says, They do not belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to it. Use the truth to make them holy. Your word is true. What makes you holy is the word of God coming from Jesus' lips. You sent me into this world in the same way I have sent them into the world. I make myself holy for them. Not for himself. Not for his relationship for, with the Father. Though that was part of it but as an example for us, so that they too can be made holy in a true sense. Not as an imitation sense, not as a badge saying, I'm a Christian, look at me, but as a true, honest to God, everyday living, holy being, living for the glory of God. Revelations 13.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with you, and you will eat with me. He's knocking on all of our hearts. Are we going to let him in? That knock on the door, that's the hunger pain that we begin to feel. 
Roman, I'm not preaching about spiritual maturity here. I'm only preaching the first requirement after our confession as a believer. That is evidence of a new life, namely hunger. <coughs> Again, any new life, the first thing it does is hunger. It needs that food, it needs that nourishment, or it will soon die. 2 Corinthians 5, 15-18 says, Christ died for everyone. He died so that those who live should not live for themselves alone. They should live for Christ. He died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we don't look at anyone the way the world does. At one time, we looked at Christ in that way. We looked at Jesus before we knew him in the same way the world does. But he's just a man. He was a good teacher. He was either a lord, a liar, or a lunatic. Logic comes to fruition that he was who we claim to be as Lord by the impact of that he's had on this nation, on this world, and that our time is centered around him. He had to be Lord. The oldest, he says, if anyone, be, we don't do this anymore. In fact, anyone who believes in, him, in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. It is all from God. He brought us back to himself through cross, Christ's death on the cross. And he has given us the task of bringing others back to him through Christ. But he says, anybody here is a new creation. As a new creation, we need to have that out of the word. That is the spirit, the pure spiritual milk that Peter spoke to us about. And Paul again wrote in Corinthians, or Hebrews mentioned it as well, about the milk of God's word. <coughs> this summer, I did a lot of research on apple juice. And what I learned was that most apples that you buy in the store are actually grafted apple trees. That means that a person had to take the bud of an apple that had a desired fruit on it and attach it to a strong rootstock. They put a slit on it, cut the bud off, stick it on there, tape it on there, keep it moist. And that graft then became part of the rootstock. Okay, that rootstock could support, in theory, 20 more different kinds of apple trees. Granny Smith, Macintosh, whatever. But it will only support apples. No other kind of fruit, only apples. As well, when the apple matures and is ready to be picked and enjoyed, it will only... It will only be the fruit of a specific graft or grafts on the rootstock. Each bud will produce its kind of fruit. And it will only produce, but it will only produce seeds after the roots where the fruit gets its life. That Granny Smith, if that, if that, if that rootstock was a Macintosh rootstock, every kind of fruit, every flavor of fruit on that tree will only produce the seeds of the rootstock that it is attached to. And each of us, it says, I says, we are that fruit. Each of us is a different graft on the true rootstock, Jesus to bring a sweet flavor to the people, or to the specific people. Each of us has a different flavor 
and the different people that we will in fact impact. That people will get a taste of Christ when they experience time with us. But we are only to reproduce after the root, the word of life, Jesus. Last winter, I got the Red Lantern and Two Rivers 200, Duck Sled Dog Race. Yay, my first sled dog race, and I finished. I had a dog that got sick right at the beginning of the race. Actually, at the start, right in the morning before the starting line, about six in the morning. He lost his breakfast right after I fed him. And he did not eat anything until after the race began. In fact, he didn't start eating until we started snacking on the trail. He would snack eagerly on the trail, but would not eat at the checkpoints. Now, two years earlier, I tried running, tried to run this race and had another dog that would not eat or snack after the race began. <coughs> By the second checkpoint, I had to drop him as he became too weak to continue his race. Now, though the dog I began the race with last year would not eat a meal, he always snacked on the trail, and would even eat extra snacks on the trail. I was worried about him the entire race, but he didn't have a lost weight, and always cold. And in the end, the wheel dog that I was so concerned about led me and the entire team across the finish line. The difference between these two dogs. One worked very hard, and because he did not eat or snack, burned up halfway through the race. The other dog worked just as hard, and though did not eat a meal, he would snack as he ran his race and finished in the lead. Remember, it's not how you start the race. It's not how you do it halfway through. It's how you finish. My question is, are you at least snacking on the word, Jesus? as you run your race, in doing so, lighting up with the will of God as you go? Or are you running your race and slowly getting weaker in the name of Jesus? Now, the woman at the well, Jesus met her. He says, she says, draw some water. She says, I ain't got nothing. You know, Jesus says, come to me. Or he says, I'll give you water so you will never thirst again. And in the end, Jesus reviews everything she's ever done. She runs back. She gets a bunch of people together. And says, hey, tell me the guy who told me everything I ever did. Well, as his, then his disciples returned to him. And his disciples were saying to him, Rabbi, in John chapter 4, verses 31 through 38, he says, Rabbi, eat something. He said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then the disciples asked each other, did someone bring him food? Jesus, asked, or Jesus said, My food is to do what my Father sent me to do. My food is to finish His work. You say four more months, and then it will be harvest time. But I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest right now. Those who gather the crop are already getting paid. They are already harvesting the crop for eternal life. So those who plant and those who gather can't be glad together. Here's a true saying. One plants, the other gathers. I sent you to gather what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. You have gathered the benefit of their work. Jesus gives, this is a thought that I've had, Jesus gives the water that allows us to swallow spiritual food, in this case, doing the labor of the Father. 
or to labor for God and not burn out. To read the word and to receive its life without the water, that's the Holy Spirit. You can't digest none of it. Acts 20, 32 says, I commit to you to God's care. Another version says it's God's word, but I didn't have that version on my phone at the time. Um, I commit you to the word of his grace. It can build you up. Then you will share in what God plans to give all people, for all his people. You can know God's plan by reading his word. Many of us say, well, I don't know what God's plan is. Have you opened up his Bible? Have you read it? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Brothers and sisters, God has shown you his mercy. So I'm asking you to offer up your bodies while you are still alive. Your bodies are a holy sacrifice that is pleasing to God. When you offer your bodies to God, you are worshiping him. Don't live any longer the way the world lives. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. Then you will be able to test what God wants for you. And you will agree that what he wants is right. His plan, his plan is good and pleasing and perfect. God's grace has been given to me. So here is what I want to say to every one of you. Don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Be reasonable when you think about yourself. Keep in mind the moment of faith or the amount of faith that God has given you. I've got a few thoughts that I had as I was preparing this. And it says, Jesus is the word that was made flesh. In the beginning, we're quoting John chapter 1, the first couple verses. In the beginning, the word was already there. The word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now here's my thought. All things, or sorry, it keeps on going with the Bible. All things were made through him. Nothing that has been made was made without him. Life was in him, and that life was a light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The word of God is life for all people, but you will not understand it unless you have the light, unless you have hunger. We pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread. But Jesus is our portion. That supplies all our needs. Jesus is our man in our wilderness. The bread of life, or you could say the bread that brings and gives life. Jesus was broken for us. And we are reminded of this when we take communion. Jesus says, take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. He took the beating and hung on a tree. Just so he could have a chance to spend eternity with you. We are to spend eternity with you. As we realize this, his love for us provokes us to live for him. <clears throat> Through his word, prayer, and as he lived and died and loved publicly for us, we did the same for him. You must eat up my flesh and drink my blood. The flesh is the word. And the blood is the Spirit. The only way to truly know Jesus is through the bread of His Word, washed down by the water of His Spirit.
2 Timothy 2, 15-17 says, Do your best to please God. Be a worker who does not need to be ashamed, teaching the message of the truth correctly. Stay away from godless chatter. Those who take part of it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like deadly sickness. King James is a little different. I just know the first part. It says, Study to show yourself approved. A workman on the righteousness, rightly dividing the word of truth. But the second part still remains the same. Stay away from godless chatter. Preach, read the word, learn it, teach the word. Stay away from godless chatter. Those who take part in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Your word, just a thought from the psalmist, he says, Your word have I hidden in my heart so that I might sin against, not sin against you. Again, it's written, Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's what gives you your direction. Romans 2 7 says, God will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good. They want glory, honor, and life that never ends. But there are others who only look out for themselves. They don't accept the truth. They go down an evil path. God will pour out his burning anger on them. They will be trouble. There will be trouble and suffering for everyone who does evil. That is meant first for the Jew. It is also meant for the non-Jew. Non but there will be glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. That is meant first for the Jew. It is also meant for the non-Jew. God treats everyone the same. We know now some of what the Bible says about learning the Word of God. And that it is necessary to grow as a believer. To know the difference between good and evil. To truly live a Christian life. And that sanctifies us and glorifies God. And to finish your race. You now have a choice to make. Are you going to sit in your seat and say, yeah, that was a good message. Or are you going to read the word, let the Spirit speak to you, and make a difference in your life, the lives of your families, and in the lives of others? Are you hungry? Even just a little bit? It's a choice that all of us have to make. And if we're truly believers, it's a, truth, it's a choice that will keep us alive. It's a truth that will keep us strong. Otherwise, we're on bad soil. Whether we're going to be trampled on, whether our roots is going to be shallow or whatever, the Word of God is that soil that you planted in. You know? I believe that you can pick what soil you can be in. But that's my own belief. The scripture doesn't say you can pick your soil, but I believe you can pick the soil. Someone step out of that seed. I believe if I'm hungry, I can plant myself in that good soil. Even if I'm on that path where I can be trampled on. I believe if I'm hungry enough, my little seed can be a jumping bean. Jump right on into a good path or a good soil and rise up and become a harvest. And I believe each and every one of you can as well. And as I said before, you know, are you hungry?